So I had to like tie the ring. I put a thing I put around my neck as a necklace, but I didn't want you to notice it. I didn't notice it. Right. So then I took that through security. I was also worried that it might set off the metal detectors, but it's platinum, so it didn't. It didn't. But I was still worried about that because then I was like, what else I going to do if it set it off and I had to take it off and you're with me in security? But but we made it through. We, we made, made it through. We made it to Florida. Hello and hola, friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Before we get into the show, here's a quick message from Resolve, a physician contract review company. At Resolve, they believe that knowledge is power for physicians, and that power gives you control over your financial future. Resolve believes that by mining, analyzing, and synthesizing data, they can provide you with the information and insight that empowers you to diagnose the health of your career, fully understand your worth, and maximize your full potential. As a company founded by a doctor, for doctors, Resolve's focus is on the well-being of those whose purpose in life is to care for the well-being of others. To have this incredible company review your employment contract, find them at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash resolve. The link is also in the description of this show. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Victor Mangona. My husband, Victor, is a board-certified radiation oncologist specializing in pediatrics and protons. He has a passion for real estate investing and is a tax code enthusiast. Victor became a financial expert in 2015, the year after we married, and he has led me down the path of financial freedom as well as taught me how to hustle. Please welcome my hubby, Victor Mangona. Yay! Thanks for being here, Victor. Thank you for inviting me again into your home. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Who are you? Well, I am married to you, and that's how I got my ticket onto this show. Uh, We share a Rodecaster Pro uh, studio, uh, computer, uh, and an office. Um, And so here I am. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Raised uh, by Filipino immigrants, went to uh, college away at Duke, went back for medical school at Wayne State, uh, met you immediately thereafter in residency at Beaumont in Metro Detroit. Yes. Okay. And, 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 And yeah, right when you started your radiation oncology residency. So how did you, how did you choose radiation oncology? Well, I actually was, uh, initially thinking I was going to be a radiologist, um, because I had never heard about radiation oncology and um, actually was interested in also pediatrics to an extent. And um, I had done my pediatric hematology oncology rotation and I had loved that, but I also enjoyed my radiology rotations. Uh, and then I had somehow randomly met uh, the radiation oncology residents from Wayne state when I was in medical medical school, um, like not even at the hospital, but like out in Royal Oak. And then I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me check this out. And uh, it was a nice balance between uh, the, the radiology technical kind of 
aspect of medicine, but then also the patient care aspect uh, in oncology. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you really do? Because not all of us get to rotate through radiation oncology as a medical student. Yeah. Nobody really knows what we do. Um, again, I didn't even, I didn't really even know about it until this is the end of my third year of medical school. Um, also from background, I was a biomedical engineer, uh, major in college. So, um, I had all this technical and physics background. I actually taught high school physics, um, in, uh, one of my years between, uh, undergraduate and medical school, I spent two years as a teacher. Um, but, uh, what do we do? So we have actually our own patients. So I have like a clinic and I see my own patients and we treat them usually for cancer, but also for other benign tumors that may need radiation therapy as one of the therapeutic uh, options. So it's uh, a local treatment often used in conjunction with surgery and or chemotherapy. Um, and I specialize in treating children, also treating CNS tumors in children or adults. So um, that's as well as lymphoma and then some random other cases I come across my way. Okay. And then also protons. Oh, you specialize in protons. Oh yes. Yes. Um, so I work at a proton radiation facility. There's about like 25 of us in the country. And when I went to fellowship at MD Anderson, where uh, we both went to Houston together, uh, I had specialized uh, training in pediatrics and protons because a lot of what we do in pediatric radiation is, is protons. And so, um, yeah, I work at a, a proton center and almost everything I do is all protons all the time. I do work at a regular radiation place a little bit um, to treat some kids at another hospital who don't need protons. Okay. Okay. And then um, the difference between protons and the x-rays real quick. Oh my gosh. We're doing this on your podcast. Um, it's uh, it's the different difference between like a grenade versus a bullet in terms of uh, a bullet, you point it and it goes and it will do damage all the way through until it ends up stopping at some point hitting the ground. Uh, a grenade will not do much damage until it lands at one spot. So effectively, the only difference is that protons will not go all the way through the body and almost all the energy is deposited right where a proton lands. And so it allows you to spare potentially a lot more uninvolved uh, normal tissue. Okay. See, I love, that's very important. I think a lot of people don't, may not understand that, but okay. Yes. Let's get into juicy stuff then, Victor. Tell, tell them about the first time we met. And I feel like I tell my version of the story all the time. Um, when I'm interviewing other people, you know, people, people know my version. So let's hear your version. Okay. I'm pulling up my calendar right now. Um, because we met each other. That was right after we finished medical school. We were starting our intern years together. And wow, that, I think that would have been, uh, June 25th, 2009. So, um, <laughs> what day of the week was that? It was a Thursday. I'm pretty sure I met you on Thursday, June 25th. It might've been Wednesday, June 24th, but I think it was the 25th sounds right. Thursday, June 25th. Um, so now we've known each other for 10 and a half years. Uh, I met you on, it was like the third day of, or first day for you, like third day for me of intern orientation, because you had actually already had your ACLS certification still in place. Right. Whereas like 
all the rest of us new interns had to recertify. Um, I don't know how you had yours. Well, we, we were always up to date in the UMKC because we were always doing medical rotations and I mean, we, we did a ton of medicine. I guess probably it lasted like two years. And so we probably did the beginning of our third year of medical school and then it end, it was ending uh, for us at that time. So anyhow, most of us got there and we were there for like two days of ACLS. And, um, but then on the next day, it was actually the orientation portion, not the ACLS portion. And it started at like lunchtime. We had a picnic outside. Um, this is right there on the campus of Beaumont Hospital. I was so nervous. Sponsored by the internal medicine department because we were both transitional year interns together. I was new to the city. I was new. I Kate didn't had anybody. not really ventured beyond a small radius away from her parents <laughs> for the entirety of her life. Um, she was at this point 24 years old with her MD and was it BA or BS? A but, BA. Yeah, BA, BA and MD because um, she went to a six-year program. Um, and I had lived on my own for two years between undergrad and med school. And I also went away to college. Um, but yeah, so here I was, I had gone basically from med school and I had just gone up the road 15 miles to go to, uh, well, it's not even 50 miles, probably more like 12 miles north, um, working at Beaumont Hospital for residency where I had rotated a bunch of times and knew the place quite well. Um, but yeah, there we were at the picnic and I was like, oh, there's a new person that I hadn't seen the past two days. But you didn't sit next to me. No, I had uh, avoided being <laughs> standing right next to you. That would have been uh, too obvious. But I was nearby. And, um, yeah, that was it. That was lunchtime. And I didn't even show up on time. I was, like, running late because I was hanging out at home. I'm like, eh, I'm just going to get there for the end of the picnic. And then we were going to go immediately from there to do, like, colorblind testing and, you know, all those things. and. Um, they had to check your titers. Drug, drug testing. Yeah, and I had never actually had colorblind testing before. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised I had made it that far into my life without ha- having once been tested for colorblindness. And uh, even though it, it it came back negative, I still apparently do not see green and blue correctly. <laughs> we just have a difference of opinion. But yeah, you, we met. We met at orientation, and I always will remember how you commented on my Harrods back, my little mini Harrods backpack I was wearing um, that my aunt had given to me, and I forget if you made the joke. I don't know, we, we, but it was just it was super fun, and I was super nervous the whole time. So I was just happy to have normal conversations with with people. And um, then, then what happened, Victor? Well, I was actually so. I was I was very single at that time. The most single I had been in a very long time. I was like, oh, I'm I'm looking for somebody when it came to intern year. And I was running the first two days of ACLS, and I was disappointed. And then I saw you. I was like, oh my gosh, there she is. Um, I said I was thinking to myself, oh, is that the is that the girl I'm going to marry? However, I wasn't looking for anyone. Right, and I was trying not to be too direct. So I was staying at least like six <laughs> feet away from you back before it was in fashion. I'm pretty sure you asked me for my email right away because you were compiling a list of everyone of in our in our intern class. Yes. <laughs> so you could share it with everybody. I forget it was email and phone number. Because that was like Thursday and then it was Friday the following day and everybody we were all gonna go out. Um because this was like our last weekend before being interns, which was like super scary. And this is coming off of like, you know, fourth year, which is like the best thing ever. Um, 
So yeah, that, those last few months, because in the end of fourth year, I had traveled the world. I'd gone to Asia for, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. And then after that, I had just hung out and I had gotten the best shape of my life because I just went to the gym like every day because I could. Um, and that was fun. I did that for like a month. And then, yeah, we started intern year. And then it was like, oh, there went life. Although it was transitional year. And yeah, it was a good year. And transitional year at Beaumont is, is pretty nice. Yours is definitely harder than mine because in radiology, they have to do ICU. Oh, yeah, CQ. I do the CQ. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, ours are like, we just, ours are like all outpatient blocks. It was, but I had really good CQ um, partners in crime. Yeah, the residents there are yeah. awesome. So it makes it for a good experience, but it's still, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that transition year was, that was a great year of training. So, so then what happened? What happened next? Oh, oh, then we fell in love. Okay, we fell in love. Yeah, yeah. When I started looking for somebody new. So, yeah, we, I fell in love with you pretty fast. I knew that you were the one pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but then... Uh, I think I knew something was up. I just didn't understand what was happening. Oh. So, yeah, I fell in love with you pretty fast. And we we were in the same group of friends. We immediately started hanging out with all like a couple of the other interns and some of the other interns from the other hospitals in town. Right. And transitioning was fun because we got got to hang out all the time. Um, But then uh, you went on like a a timeout, I think. Um, And then I went onto a timeout. And then um, it only took um, how many years of residency? We had a five year residency. Luckily, we're on the same timetable. We're yeah. both categor- categorical year interns, and we both had four-year residencies subsequent, and it was also all at the same hospital because it's like there are categorical programs, so the intern year and the residencies were cash. So it only took us until like the beginning of our last year of residency. So it only took us four more years to, to really start dating to actually right. really formally get when we became together. friends. We were friends, and then we started dating. Yeah, and then it was only a few months. Well, I mean, basically four years had gone by. And then once we got back together or together, then... <laughs> we don't even know. That yeah. was August. We got together, July. And then it was already... Uh, I was uh, going through all of my interviews for oh. pediatric radiology. So it was like, yeah, it was like September, October. I was doing interviews. Like oh, oh this is our fourth. This is our... Not our very it last year. It was our third year. It was our third This is our PGY, PGY four year. Yeah. yeah, beginning of PGY for you. And I was yeah. doing a ton of pediatric radiology fellowship interviews. So I was like gone every weekend because I did like eight interviews and they were all within like a few months. And um, I had just gone through a breakup. And so I was completely having so much fun going all these cities, visiting my friends while doing interviews. And we were talking a lot. Like as I was traveling, we were talking a lot. And every time I came back into town, we tried to hang out. But it was like really hard because I was always out of town. And then once I was back in town, we, we were just like immediately, oh, then I went into study mode. Yeah, for the core. <sighs> what, happened, went, what happened to that, yeah. Kate? So then I went into... I, I, I forgot I, what study mode, Kate, is. The, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I was later. I've never lived with study mode, it, Kate. It was a, a three-month period of, I told Victor... He wasn't allowed to see me. We weren't allowed to go eat. We we weren't allowed to do anything really. 
because I had to study for three months. Oh, yeah. And you had new boards. That's how I did it. I mean, that's how I studied for things like, uh, guys, I didn't even show up for my rotation. It was bad. For a month. I, I don't know how you do that kind of stuff. <laughs> didn't I, I, didn't. I can't just not show up for a rotation. I got in trouble for it. But, but I, she passed her boards. But I passed my boards. And okay, so for both for the backstory, the, the ABR, the American Board of Radiology, which is actually the same board for both of us, which is interesting because we were historically the same specialty, but now we're completely different. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the same board. However, their board exam, which had used to be, changed. it had been the same format as ours, which is like three parts two like written things and then like the oral boards physics written and orals yeah ours is physics biology written and then orals so four parts but her year was the first year that they completely changed the boards to a completely different format so nobody had ever taken it before so, so there was nothing to study off of there were no books there were no study guides there were no people to talk to well i mean it's i mean it is radiology so it's like you don't no. have to know everything you just have to know everything with every everything diagnostic of modality every organ system of every single specialty. so if you want a study guide you just open up like a medical textbook. And that was going to take at least three months of studying 24 hours a day. And so I knew I would not be like, that's why I just couldn't do anything else. And that's how I study. That's why. Um, yeah. It's really interesting because because after you finished that though, you never had any other like real boards until oh. your second, until you had your secondary boards. Yeah. Later. So I had my certifying boards. Certifying boards. Mm-hmm. But like you went for a period of a long time without having to worry about boards. Right, it was nice. Whereas I was taking boards every year, Q year. You were. While, while we were married. While we while were we married. married. So like every year we're like, oh my gosh, Victor has to take boards. And then I took my, our first year of marriage. I don't know if we can find this, but I had to study my, that was my whole year. Like, as oral board prep. Yeah, studying for it. But that's okay because, you know, you deal with that a lot better than I deal with it. So yeah, which is good that we weren't really married when you were, when you were studying <laughs> no. for your board. No, we were barely dating. Like, yeah. we had just yeah. been dating. That was way better. I still remember, like, Victor called me one day and he was like, did you see that your favorite frozen yogurt place uh, has a competition? Like, whoever buys the most frozen yogurt in <sighs> one day gets endless free frozen yogurt for the rest of the year. We have to go do this. Because oh, yeah. I, I mean, I lived off frozen yogurt. Oh yeah, that was her. I that was her. All of her meals. And when you think of frozen yogurt, I would get the biggest, like 12, 18 ounce cup. I would fill it all the way, way past the top. I would lick everything like that was dripping before I left there. Put a cap on, drive home, and like stuff my freezer full of these. Containers. Yeah, I didn't know that people went to these places <laughs> to put stuff in their freezer. Like anyway, that's not what the grocery stores. So that's why I know because this is fresh frozen yogurt. And but then once you freeze it, but it's still good. It's still good. They wait on braces. Right. So, yeah, they. this was a Saturday, and in the morning, I was in Birmingham, and it's like, oh, sweet earth. Yeah. Sweet and it was like, oh, all I have to do is have the biggest frozen yogurt. I was like, no, Victor, I'm studying. I can't go do this company. What is that going to involve, like, standing around figuring out who No, is? and so I was in the morning, and I asked the ladies, I was like, okay, so all you need to do is have the biggest one of the day, and we will win. Okay. When do you close? And they're like, oh, we close at 10. So I said, Kate, all right, at 9.30, we're going to Sweet Earth, and we just have to get the biggest. No, you said like 9.55. Like, we literally oh, went five well, yeah. minutes before close. Yeah. I was, I had never done that in my life. And I don't know, did they tell us how much we needed to do? Yeah. Oh. You asked them to get out their spreadsheet. Oh, yeah. They got out their spreadsheet. You said, okay, what's the largest? And they went down. It was like only one page because it was right. Birmingham. Right. And people. And it's like all these people are like, oh, four ounces, six ounces. <laughs> like, so oh, my gosh. So we figured out what the biggest ounce of. Yeah. And so we had to do like 30 ounces of frozen yogurt. So that was like 15 bucks. And I brought my own scale, my postage stamp scale. Like, not postage stamp, but my postage scale. Like food scale. 
yeah, food or posters because I used to eBay, um, eBay as some people call it. And I, uh, yeah, we measured out 30 ounces or whatever we needed to just to win. And they weighed it out. We, we, almost, we almost ate all of it. I mean, we ate all of it. I mean, I took some home, but. I mean, we didn't eat it all like that moment. But <laughs> it was a big. And then we won. We won. So we, we had out. we had a full year. Yeah, we closed out sweeter. Right. I mean, the value of that, I mean, that time we spent half an hour of which most of it was actually eating frozen yogurt, which is like your favorite thing to do. Um, and now, with, after I won it, I think they figured out who I was and they limited me to once a week. So I could only go once a week for a year. Yeah, but there was no limit on how much you right. could put. So, so we could get another 30 maximum. ounces every yeah. week and you could make that last the whole week. Yeah. Or, I mean, you probably to eat other food too. So, okay. I only well, have memories. Enough of that though, Victor. But why did you actually fall in love? And why do you think I fell in love? Are these the same reasons we're still in love? Are these the stock questions? <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be asked these questions. Why did you fall in love? Well, I'm a human being. These are my questions. Yeah. And I was looking for love. Um, and I found it. It's just that it only took a, a handful of years waiting forever and making it eventually happen. I was, I had actually given up, but I think in a lot of things in life, um, you have to give up on something um, before it can actually happen. Well, I will say I was not looking for love. I was yeah. not looking for That's love. That's probably why it didn't work out I, the first go around. Right. I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we barely, we were just, yeah, right. And, um, yeah, I had been in a long-term relationship, so I needed to clear my head from that because it was for, we just weren't the right people for each other. Um, and then I just needed to, like, I was very immature. I feel like I was kind mm. of young, immature. I need to kind of have my fun, get out there. Just and then also focus on residency, and and then I just realized, okay, we were we became such good friends that lasted for four years, and then when we started hanging out again, like all the time, all the same memories, all the same feelings came back. Like your confidence, you were just so confident. Like I I had never experienced that before. Actually, nobody I'd ever been with had ever been that confident about just everything. And I think I probably put you on a pedestal, which, um, oh, I'm short. Yeah, no, I did. I put you on a pedestal. And so that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't allow myself to like fall for you the first time. Cause I was like, Oh man, I don't know if I can ever match that. But then my mom talked to me, my dad talked to me and we're like, and, and I, and like, I figured out, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, and like in the meanwhile, everybody else is saying, Victor, how did you get Kate? How did that work out? How did that happen? Um, because, yeah, no, I was. Uh, and we danced. We, oh, how did we forget about that? So, like, oh. that's, that's really like the first month we met and the first time we went salsa dancing. That's kind of like. That was like the day after I met you. That's, that was like subconsciously how I knew. Mm. I think it was a few weeks because the day after, Oh, the salsa thing was a few weeks later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the salsa thing was The day after I met you, we didn't actually really go dancing. We mm -hmm. just went out to order like sangria or something. Yeah, you guys went and I didn't. Oh, I you actually, didn't end up coming because your mom was I didn't go home. because my mom had been with me mm. for, it was her last night. For, and she had been, she actually moved to Michigan yeah. with me for a couple of weeks. That's how close I am with my mom. Like, 
She went with me everywhere. Her mom, her mom, her mom moved her into residency. Yeah, she, she drove yeah, me to first people, day of medical school. You know how moms school. move people into college? <laughs> and you know how, like, moms yeah. bring your yeah. kid into, like, kindergarten? Well, I made a mistake on, the, on third grade. Third grade, you first remember? day of school, oh, yeah. I, I, I told my mom I was too old for her to come in. I ended up crying. <laughs> I was, and then that year I was like, you know, I was just the oddball. Nobody liked me. I didn't like me, but I was the chubby kid. It was like a terrible year until I met my best friend, Laura, who's my friend for life. But ever since then, I learned my lesson. I'm oh, like, I didn't yeah, know that was your lesson. That was my lesson. So, like, now every time you start a new job, now, your mom has to come Now, over. every time I start every, anything new, my mom is allowed to come with me oh. anywhere. Okay, good to know yeah. that now. Thanks. So, anyway, so we fell in love. I did kind of fall in love initially on the dance floor. He can dance, and nobody had ever been. No, nobody had been able to dance like he danced. Besides one, um, one of my Latino members when I was in Association of Latino American Students in uh, in college, but in medical school, college, uh, we learn salsa together, but you know, he's interested in other, other people. So, <laughs> so but he was a super, super <laughs> dancer. So we were dance partners and we learned together. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, Jose, if you're listening and, and you know, he's, he, he knows he's an amazing at salsa dancing. Um, but anyway, oh, let's keep talking about Jose. Let's make this whole doctor. Jose, let's talk about Jose. Tell me more about Jose. No, he was interested in men, Victor. He wasn't interested in oh. women. So that's why we had a really good oh, friendship. Oh, okay. Yeah, that we works. had a really good friendship. Oh. We were even roommates and stuff like oh. that. But anyway, so back to our story. So yeah, so you could dance. So I like that. And, and of course you're intelligent. Oh, and then also he was cultured. Like his oh. parents. And, and, and Kate's place. cultured. And that was a big thing for me. That was a big thing for me. I never, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, gosh. Yeah, and she's Catholic. So that helped too. Um Okay. And uh, and even wearing heels, I think uh, we're probably about the same height when you're wearing heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. These other wore, things. yeah. I'm wearing very help, very high heels. Okay. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us like your favorite love story? Maybe the proposal story, or I don't know. Oh, I, you know us, uh, not like like not like a book <laughs> or a movie. Your favorite love story of oh. us? Oh, I I don't think about these things. Oh. Um, I mean, oh, our our <laughs> engagement that was. That was, that's probably my favorite because, um, it was just, actually it was just us and I got to plan the whole thing. Um, it was right after I finished studying for my core exam. So we hadn't seen each other for three months besides that frozen yogurt story. So that was the, that was the, yeah, that I planned the whole thing, which was fun at that time when I had time to plan things. And, um, then we just got to do it and it was all unilateral decisions. (laughs) (laughs) And because like, to me, like, I, I, I just don't make, like making decisions. And then I just rather either somebody like, tell me what I'm going to do, or I just decide what we're going to do. But like spending hours, like thinking about everything and discussing what our plans are. Like when you spend more time talking about the plans than the plans actually are, that ratio of time to time, like I want that to be as, as small as possible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just got to design it myself. And it's like, this is my own like art project of how I'm going to. Uh, do this proposal. Like, this is like before like promposals were like all the rage um, because promposals, <laughs> like those are a whole different thing, right? Actually, maybe they became the rage at this Prom-posals, time. Promposals, like people uh, like proposing in high school? Oh gosh. No, like inviting people to prom and like 
these high school kids make a gigantic deal out of it. Like they do oh, these whole like inviting people to prom. Um, yeah. Like okay. proposing to prom. Oh, okay. And like, they, they do like all these like big, yes. huge choreographed dance routines. Um, <laughs> like you call those, um, when you have a whole crowd of people come out of nowhere. Flash mob. Yeah. Yeah. Flash mob promposals. I mean, okay. It wasn't that insane. It was, it was actually quite, quite, uh, simple in comparison, but you were taking, the ABR exam in Chicago because you could either take it in Chicago or Tucson and you chose Chicago. Um, and we were living in Michigan at this time. Yeah. Chicago is much so closer. Chicago was obviously very close. And I knew when you were finishing the test and then I had like the week off after that. So um, I actually scheduled I said, just meet me at Midway airport. Well, you told me not to schedule a flight back. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> He said, don't schedule a flight back home. Pack all of your bags like we're going camping. I think. I don't know exactly what I said. Because <laughs> first he was like, well, what do I pack? And I was like, I wasn't really that worried about because I'm a guy. <laughs> right? And like, I don't care about packing. But she cares about packing. Um, I'm pretty sure I spent a whole week packing for that trip. Yeah. Because so, to me, like, if you're going to go somewhere, first of all, you're going to want to go shopping there anyway. Right? Like, so if you're going to go shopping there, you might as well buy stuff there and then. But anyway, let's get back to the story. So yeah, I said, meet me at Midway airport at a certain time. And I bought our flights, which you did not know we were going to, well, if we to Orlando and then we got to Orlando and because I was like, Oh no, we did the, uh, Oh, we, we showed it. We got on the very last flight in. So we were so late that they couldn't do that whole magic thing with your suitcases. Um, like we had to still get our bags. You were like exhausted, first of all. Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't been, I hadn't slept for two weeks. So she's like super tired and I'm like all amped up because it's the start of vacation. For three months, I had not slept for two whole weeks. Yeah. I showed up at the airport. My co-residents were like, okay, did you check in? I'm like, well, I can't check in. I don't even know where I'm going. No, like, what? And then I find Victor. Oh my gosh. It was so, it was, yeah, I was just like, Oh, love again. And then I hugged him and then we went off. Yeah. Cause I had to I fly from Detroit to Midway. Was exhausted. I met you at like baggage claim. And then we went through security. Um, did you bring your own bag or did I bring your bag for you? You might've brought my I bag. I think I brought, I brought your bag for you cause I packed your bag. Um, because that's why I wasn't that really worth packing. Cause I was like, I'll take care of the packing. Um, and so I had packed your bag and my bag and I had to get the ring through first of all like i had never touched anything this expensive um besides like a car um but even like i never drove a, actually no that was i had never driven a car that expensive um it wasn't really that expensive but my cars were cheap right but so i have this little piece of jewelry <laughs> that i'm like oh my gosh i can't lose this thing and i have to hide it and victor loses things i lose things all the time like that's like my thing so i had to design my <laughs> life around not having things to be lost. Um, like, like if you go back to Peter Kim's episode, like that is me, except I don't get parking tickets. Um, but that could be me. Um, it's just, I'm averse to parking tickets. Um, but yeah, he loses things. I lose things nonstop. So I don't even have a wallet. Okay. So what, what'd you do? So I had to like tie the ring. I put a thing I put around my neck as a necklace, but I didn't want you to notice it. I didn't so, notice it. Right. So then I took that through security. I was also worried that it might set off the metal detectors but it's platinum, so it didn't. It didn't. But I was still worried about that because then I was like, "What was I going to do if it set it off and I had to take it off?" And you were with me in security. But but we made it through. We, we made, made it through. We made it to Florida. Got to we got Orlando. Bus. We got into the bus. Kate like was like falling asleep. I was exhausted. And then we get into the bed, um, 
at the what 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 this we got like I got the, like the, the cheapest Dalmatian. I got like the cheapest <laughs> room in Disney. It was the furthest away hotel in Disney. But but it was in Disney. I didn't like go off of Disney. No. But we yeah, were broke at this time. It was very simple. It was very simple, but it was Dalmatian room. And, and she likes I, Dalmatians. I needed sleep. I mean, she I was, was tired. Sick. I was getting yeah, sick. Yeah, and that's usually the exact opposite. Usually I'm like, I need to sleep because I'm getting sick. I need my rest or else I won't get Victor was and so excited. I was so amped. Oh, my God. Um, because now, like, the plan is in action. And <laughs> so what she didn't know is that so sometimes I have hiccup attacks. Hiccup attacks. Like, these are rare. That would last for eight hours. But they can last the whole day. Um, <laughs> and they're usually associated with, like, major events in my life, but just prior to that. Um, I don't know if you've ever had one since. I, well, I mean, I have episodes, but nothing like that bad. Okay. But it used to be like whenever I was going back to college, wow. like two days before I go back to college, I start having hiccups so or like going back home. The whole night. The whole night when she's trying to sleep. The whole bed is shaking. I'm having like I was night. having hiccups through my oh sleep, my God. which is re- I didn't know I had the, I had the ability to do this. Um, and I sleep really well. He hiccups the whole night. He doesn't wake up, and I could not sleep. And of course, you know, there's early magic hours, right? And that was part of the reasons I wanted to be oh in Disney. Gosh. And I hadn't been to Disney in forever. And so I was like, Kate, we need to get to like the early. I had never been to Disney World. Oh, yeah. You've gone to Disneyland a bunch of times. I went to Disneyland a billion times. But Disney, yeah, I don't remember that first day. Was it terrible? Um, I don't remember the first day. Well, we went to Magic Kingdom, Kate. I honestly, I remember when we got on the cruise. Because then that, after the first day, we did our three-day Disney cruise. Right. So, um, yeah, so we spent one day first at Disney, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. We spent one, you know, we Magic, Magic Kingdom. Kingdom. We got all these pictures. Um, you were really hard to get out of bed. Um, yes. but I was like, I was like the way my kids are now, like Shinola will get us up at like 645 and she sees like a little peak of sun, like coming out of the curtains and she's like, the sky's awake. The sky's awake. We're awake. So, um, yeah, I was ready to go. And so we went to Magic Kingdom and I'd been there forever. We took all these pictures. Picked, uh, our, oh, I got to, we got a picture of Dumbo. We got fun. a picture at, um, oh, we did, we did Buzz Lightyear like well, we so many times. The, that was my favorite. Beauty and the Beast. Did we call Beauty and the Beast? Oh yeah, the new Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and that's where oh, we got our lunch served yeah. to us. And magic. it was new at that time. magic. That was amazing. The, the food just like magically shows up at your table. But what I remember is the cruise. So then we got to the cruise. So the Disney part on the beginning on the front end is one or two days. That was um, that was like the warm up. I've never been on a Disney cruise before, and never since then we're going to have to go at some point after after the everybody's vaccinated. It was amazing. So yeah, we get onto. It was funny because we go onto the Disney Dream, and this is just a three day cruise because we had to squeeze this in, in October. But this is also Halloween time. In, so this Halloween time is a fun time to be at Disney. So it's all decked out oh, yeah, in Halloween. Yeah, we had started dating again in like August, September. So Of a year prior. It's been 14 months, not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. two months. We had only been dating for two months. We got engaged. Oh, maybe I have that wrong. Okay, well, we'll skip ahead. Oh, wait a second. You might I'm, be I'm right. I'm pretty sure it was August. Oh, yeah, you're right. August, September, because I had just come back from oh. um, my, what's yeah. it called, that summer thing I do oh, yeah. AARP. I had done ARP. Okay, yeah. So this is literally That's like summer. only like two months after we've been dating. Um but I knew. Sure. Yeah. And we hadn't we didn't have a lot of time. We really I don't know. this is weird. Um we'll have to check a calendar later. But yeah. Um yeah so the Disney cruise that that night, that first night. Well we as we get onto the boat, they're like, welcome to the 
Mangona family. Yeah. yeah Mangona family. And I was like, so okay. Awesome. And it's like just us. It's like all these families, <laughs> all of these families, one at a time, they announce you as you board the boat. And then it was just the two of us. And they're like, where are the kids? Where are the kids? Okay. I'm not even a Mangona. I know. We are the kids. We're going to Disney. Okay. Adults can enjoy Disney. I mean, a Disney cruise is such a well-done cruise. Oh, my gosh. I mean, kids are just an excuse to go on them. And I'm okay. I, I'm above that. I don't need a, I don't need kids to buy a right. minivan. It was and I don't need kids to go to Disney. Okay. <laughs> Minivans are the most practical thing on four wheels. Um, okay. So we get to, to we get there and we have a dinner booked at Remy. And this is the, the early dinner. The early dinner. So we had to get ready we had like to be fast. fast. But Victor wanted to go swimming first. Yeah. Remember, you were you wanted to go on that slide. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, because once you, as soon as the day starts on the cruise, you're never going to get a spot. On I'm that like, thing. are you kidding? Like, me? if you've I ever gone on a cruise, my, I hadn't washed my hair in like two weeks. I'm like, I have to go wash my. No, the hair. best time to ride that ride is the moment you get on, so, because you may never get on. Victor it. got in his swim trunks and left <laughs> by himself to go swimming and go on this slide as I'm getting ready. But before he leaves, we unpack everything real quick, right? We unpack everything. Oh, we put this everything is the worst away. part. And then he he puts the the suitcases on the floor, and I just like to make sure all suitcases are empty before we tuck <laughs> them under the bed. So I like open all the suitcases to make sure they're all empty, so I can tuck them under. Because I'm one of those people like I like to know where everything, everything is. is at all times. <laughs> so I lose everything, so, and she knows where every sock is. As soon as I open his suitcase to make sure everything's out. There was like a little box in there. I didn't even think about it. I mean, I didn't even think about it, but I just looked at all the clothes are out. I cl- but Victor sees me and he just like turns red. Yeah, this little steam. black jewelry box I comes even, right out. I would not have even thought. I would not have even thought. Um, but Victor, Oh, because it wasn't like a blue box. It was like a black little. I mean, I, just, but, I don't right. think it didn't mean anything um, to me. So, but anyway, Victor was really upset and angry after this. I put all the suitcases away. He went to go swim and do his slide thing. I got ready. When he got back, it was time to go to lunch. I hadn't even had dinner. time to, to dinner. Dinner. I hadn't even time to like. I hadn't flat ironed my yeah. hair. Yeah. So my initial plan Florida. was that we were going to get there. Er- oh, I wanted to get I think a later dinner at Remy, but I think they were booked up because I was trying to get you a hair appointment so that I was going to yeah. have time to set everything up. I was going to try to go to the restaurant. Bring the ring over to them at the restaurant and kind of talk Which to you them. Did, I thought. Well, I I thought I was gonna have more time to do a number of things, but <laughs> we were we were in a, in a in a rush. And the crazy thing about the ju- the, the the ring box was there was no ring in the box. So yeah, yeah. So like I, so she saw it, it and like it means ring, but it wasn't even a ring. So it was kind of like a completely wasted like miss like. I mean, it didn't mean anything. To it didn't mean anything to her because she didn't meant, know. Meant the world's I mean, I was wearing the neck, the, the ring the whole time. And then Victor brings out my dress. I'm supposed to wear to dinner. Like he packed a Cinderella ball gown. Oh yeah. Wear to dinner, and he had one of our dear friends, Catherine, try it on to make sure it fit me. Yeah, people are like, "How do you know what size to get her <laughs> and stuff?" I was like, it's "Like, oh, I had one of her friends." Not that try hard. It. So anyway. So, um, I, so my, yeah, our friend Catherine, I, I bought it on Amazon. I got like a nice Cinderella dress. Um, like not like, like, like. Yeah, which I have to this day. So and I've worn multiple. Like the kind that you can actually wear professionally. People like, are like kids yeah. at the hospital think I'm Cinderella when I wear it. All right. Not like just like a cheap Halloween version. So, so I had my friend Catherine try it on. Um, you brought your tails. I don't think I had to alter it, the, the dress. I, I had her confirm it. And then I steamed the whole thing. I, I, I might have had to make one adjustment to it. Anyway. Um, 
But yeah, I packed the whole thing up and then oh, have it up maybe. Yeah, I think I might have had to. I, I don't remember now. But yeah, I, I got I brought my tuxedo with tails, which is actually I think. Oh no, that's mine. That's my tuxedo I mean, with tails. We were getting way and, dressed up. I, yeah, well, we're going to a Michelin restaurant, which so I had never been to before. We went to the Remy restaurant, and this is your first Michelin restaurant, yeah, also, right? This is my first. So we had no idea what like we're and not. The first piece of food we put in our mouth was just like an explosion. Yeah, I was like a hundred dollars like for one meal, and it's like nowadays we can spend that easily, but back then that was like that was many meals. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a hundred dollars like per person. That's actually cheap considering it's like a Michelin restaurant overall. And, but this is not a cruise. So you're already paying for the cruise. So this is the additional cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we had the whole, what, the whole tasting menu? Oh, well then, yeah. Then when we went to the restaurant, they said, this will be your honeymoon table. Oh, the honeymoon table. Oh yeah. So we got the special table the all the table. way at the back. This is a little circle at the very end, just kind of by yourselves. Um, and I had at some point, when, oh, I think probably when I went to the water slide is when I had brought the ring to yeah. the like the Mater D or whoever. Like very trusting, I was very trusting at this time in my life. But you know, this is like Disney, and yeah, no, and it was an amazing meal. Then by the time dessert came out, there was like three desserts. Oh, there was more than that. It just kept on coming and coming. All this chocolate, more chocolate, and then the more ring chocolate. came out in this like little Cinderella carriage full of cookies and chocolates, and it was in the middle. And, and I just started crying because I couldn't see, like, I actually couldn't see the ring when Victor opened the box. Oh and, yeah. And I, he was pretty nervous. Yeah. He, I forgot. He I, was sitting right next yeah, to me. Yeah. I couldn't kneel down because we were at this honeymoon table. Cause like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a booth and it was like circular and there wasn't really a way to get out of it without it being super awkward. Um, but it was perfect. Um, I did have, we did have to return to the, to the, to our little cruise room. So, I could so she could do her hair. Because she hadn't actually done her hair. My hair was a frizz ball. But she was all dressed up in the Cinderella dress. Yeah. No, we got pictures from that. We got, And then we got a gorgeous pictures afterwards. I think because you brought the Gorilla Pod, right? Yeah, and I brought my just, camera and our Gorilla Pod, and I just mounted it on the... Everywhere we everywhere went. Everywhere we could. Ship. And the cruise ships got amazing, you know, for pictures, but... And it's really late at night when everybody, all the kids are asleep, and so we had a lot of the ship to ourselves at this yeah. point. Because we, we were there for dinner for like three hours. You know, it was like the longest, nicest meal ever. Man, Victor, I didn't know we were going to spend so long. Oh, well, we can edit out a lot of this stuff. Well, okay, so let's go to, let's go to what your definition of marital interdependence is. Because I usually ask that at the beginning. What, what makes a successful marriage, Victor? I mean, and how has this changed over the past six years since we've been married? This is hard because we've only been married for six years, so I don't know how do you. Uh, I mean, a lot's changed in six. Years. A lot, oh, a lot has changed in six years. I have not gotten any taller. We've had two. I've had more gray had gray hairs. Jobs. Oh yes, we've had a dog, a kid, oh, yeah. another kid. Uh, we've only had two jobs since uh, we've been married. Our fellowship yeah, and our kept, first jobs actually surprisingly haven't jobs. left our jobs. Um, a hot... Marital interdependence. Oh yeah. Marital interdependence. So ultimately that, that is a synergy, right? So that is, uh, that is when two people make themselves better as a whole than they are individually. And so, you know, each of us has our own skill sets, but there are certain things that neither of us would really be able to do uh, alone, but we can do together. Um, and that's where a lot of balance in relationships come, comes from. Um, and so, you know, it really does make us stronger. And so I think uh, I'm definitely a better person when I'm with you. There's no question about that. So I'm and a better I'm person. I'm a better person with you. So 
So yes. And then we have our kids and they think they make us all better too. Oh yeah. Cause I would say I'm definitely more of a homebody. Like I would stay home and I would kind of be more in my head a lot of the times and you kind of drag me out, get me out. Um, I mean, even though I'm outgoing, you just make me even more outgoing and make me want to pursue my bigger dreams, bigger goals. Think things are possible. Victor's one of those people who thinks that winning um, or winning something or achieving a goal is never impossible, no matter what it is. And I never had thought that way in my entire life until I was with him. Yeah, I was really lucky growing up. I never felt that, even though I grew up um, to a lot of people's standards with quite uh, a modest upbringing financially. I mean, we didn't even go on vacation as a kid. We went on like, my first time I got an airplane, I was 10 years old. Um, and we rarely traveled. So, and like eating out was like something you did for birthdays. Um, so, well, yeah. I guess it has I, uh, nothing to do with that. With I know, but, it, but yeah. yeah, it just, uh, I never, my, my parents were very supportive, whatever, whatever I wanted to do. And I uh, always could see that there was always uh, more opportunities and I was never afraid to take huh. chances yeah. and fail. Because I actually, I a lot of people are you know, afraid, are, of, they're failure. afraid of failure, yeah. and yeah. they. Uh, I think it's kind of internal, though, Victor. Well, people think that I don't fail at things, and mm-hmm. I failed. Like I only got into like I don't know a couple of medical schools, um, and but you know it doesn't matter how many medical schools you get into; you only need to get to know one mm-hmm. medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of things I didn't do well at. But it doesn't matter. Nobody knows that things you, you didn't advertise it do well at. Right. Um, you only have to really excel at certain things to be very successful. Um, and so, yeah, I've never been afraid to try. Or 10 things. Yeah, yeah. Or, 10 or 10 things. Or 100 things. There's no limits. Well, the only limit is yourself. No, no, you're right. And you know what? I learned a lot of this this summer through multiple coaching programs. I've been, I was a part of actually three. And, and you know what? I have gotten questions. Uh Especially from my Empowering Women Physicians group, because I know, well, what I've learned recently is that women think men are just hairy females that need coaching. I think Tony Robbins talks about it. That's Tony Robinson. Right. Yeah. And so I, when I discovered coaching, how it changed, kind of changed my mindset, changed my life, reset kind of um, everything for me, I was like, man, I've got to get Victor in this. And, but you know, what's funny is when we did our coaching program together, people thought somehow I tricked you into it or I coerced you or I forced you. Like, it's so funny. You can listen to this podcast of Junaid on Jimmy Turner's podcast. And it's like, I'm the only man who, t- who voluntarily signed up for this course. I think the other male physician in the course was forced into it, but you know, and then other people are like, I tricked you. So how did it happen? How did it really happen, Victor? I don't honestly know. I mean, I remember you telling me about it. And a lot of times when you tell me something, like, you know, I just hear something. And oh, this at this point in the, and so at this point in the year with COVID, I was so unbelievably busy. People are like, how is your clinic busy? Well, for a, a, a few reasons. One, I didn't have a nurse at this time. So I had like lost a substantial amount of my, my clinical support. And she was an amazing nurse. And she was a great nurse. And then two, I, um, I have been doing telemedicine consultations and 
things like that for five years because a lot of people come from all over for treatment with me. And when COVID hit, a lot of places had not really been set up for it. Um, and so, so they- I, I got like a, a huge influx of referrals that otherwise I would not have gotten um, because they're like, oh, well, why don't you just go to the Proton Center? And so then I had all these patients and so I was at work some weeks, like I was working like 12 hours, like day after day after day after day. Um, it, they were really long days. And then, you know, she was telling me about, you're telling me about the coaching programs, like you need to, you know, the deadline for this is this, you should do this program. I don't exactly remember what transpired. And I was like, how much is it? And I was like, on one side, I was like, oh, that's really expensive. But then on the other side, it's like, oh, that's actually probably very cheap. Um, depends how on how you look at things, right? The value of what you get. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'll do it. Let's do it. Because the, the biggest thing I was concerned with was the time. Well, and I had already signed up for two coaching programs and you're like, oh, oh and yeah. You're like, hey, you can't have, how, you can't many? Ha- how many coaches can you have? You can't. And I was just like, okay, well, if I can't have this coach, oh, then you're going to have her. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And, uh, and, and then, and then yeah, did and, it. I just oh, did. I offered to pay for it. Oh yeah, but and then I was like, well, whatever. I can I can get this all expensive. So. Oh, and I offered to take care of the kids every night during. The oh, night. that was the biggest thing, right? Because yeah. it was really the time issue. Because it's so many hours. Yeah. And this is the first time in our um, married life with kids that I chose to tell myself a different story about how the evening times should go with me, Victor, and the two girls. Um, I had always been telling myself, okay, everything should be equal. He should be helping with like either bath time or dinner time or something. But which, which I don't mind doing. Which he doesn't mind doing, but it's actually always, I enjoy doing. It's things. it's just very hard because he gets home so late. And we also had a different opinion on how things should be done, right? Oh yeah, that's so how that's what up. makes things difficult. So anyway, it was a period of right eight, eight nine weeks. Yeah, it was a lot of time, and I was like, you know, I'm already coming home from work late as it is. First, I have to find a way to squeeze in like two hours Tuesdays, or Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Yeah, finding six more hours in my week. Yeah. Wow. So, so I just took full responsibility because I know he was growing, and we were both doing something like very meaningful together. And so it yeah. was great. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic experience. Um, I'm way less burned out than I was before. Um, I don't really know. Like, yeah. How what, to put what did up. You, I mean, what was like the top thing? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I went, once I started hearing so many other people have the same things mm. that helped a lot because nobody talks about these things. Nobody talks about being human. Yeah. Right. So, and like, yeah, no, my, my job, I, I often feel like I'm on an island because, so I treat like all these kids. So I treat like a hundred kids with cancer per year. I, I probably treat more kids with radiation than 99% of people in America. Um, and so there's only, it's a very small community. And when it comes to like protons, it's an even smaller community. And it's basically just me here. So all these things, they fall onto my shoulders. Um, and so I have feeling that that island mentality has been um, bearing. Um, but, you know, going through this, seeing all the other things that other people have the same issues in their own flavors. Um, but then the one-on-one coaching was also amazing uh, for those people whom I've, I've met with. Uh, those were awesome. And, um, this, you know, changing the way 
you think about everything that happens to your life, if you can train your brain to think differently, like it's the best superpower you could ever have. Like the way that I can, I think that, you know, I am limitless in terms of what I can, I can do accomplish or achieve or whatever it is. Like, I know I, I've always had that mentality, but then I realized Not everybody does. <laughs> most people don't. Um, but so because the other things is other things. But then I was like, you know what? That mentality has gotten me so far. Um, what other mentalities can I train myself to have, which can get me very far in other ways. Um, and in some ways it's like the anti-achievement goal is like a way that like training myself to think that, you know, I don't have to fix something that I can't fix, like letting go of certain things. Like, you know, you have your domain of things that you are within your control and you often want to make that, that circle bigger, but you can only stretch it so far. And the harder you work at putting other things into that circle, the more you just work against yourself. Like it's self-defeating. Um, so I had to train myself a lot of ways to, to move away from that, which was very much self-defeating. It just, you know, over and over just grinds you down. So that was one huge thing. Um, so just letting go. And then just thinking about things in a, in a way more toward gratitude. And, you know, like the way you talk about your job to somebody who asks you, tell me about your job. Like, what do you guys do? Or what do you do? And, you know, the way you, you explain it to people in, in general usually is going to show a positive light. It's going to be like, here's the picture of what my job is. Oh, I take care of all these kids with cancer and I help them. Um, and so it's, you know, it's like super meaningful, but you get into the grind of just doing it. It just becomes like any other job. But if you step back every single time and you think I have this amazing opportunity to do something that almost nobody else in the world has the training to do. And I also have this opportunity to help people who are coming to me and they're entrusting me with their lives. Um, you can think of it a, as a responsibility that can hurt, but you can think of it as an opportunity and then you can feel empowered. And every time then you can start thinking past all of the things that get in the way of you doing your job, Which bureaucracy, part? insurance, whatever logistical things that you should be able to fix, whatever it might be. Which we're consuming your like life. Like my life, yes. Um, once I was able to start letting go of those things that I can't and just focus on, okay, well, these are my opportunities. This is what I can do. And being, being in a state more of gratitude in everything I do, it just took this huge burden off of me. And then everything trans it trickled to every other go, aspect. Then of go life. figure. Then like work gets like so much better. <laughs> work and, so and then much all better. these other things that I couldn't control magically start to improve. Yeah. Without me trying to, um, because then, being in a state of frustration all the time is uh, one of the worst states to be in. Because it makes other people frustrated too. And it was amazing because we also had some very trying, struggling times with you know COVID. Uh, transition, au pair, nanny transitions, just all the life things, right? And all those things could have been so painful and difficult this summer. Oh, yeah. Finding, uh, deciding about worked. our au pair and, and our nanny. Worked. 
So, yeah, this is one of the things I... Uh, it was terrible. It could have been terrible. It could have been. But so I had a one-on-one coaching session with over this. And that was like the most valuable one-hour coaching session I've ever had. Because I was like, we're in this horrible situation. We're going to lose our au pair in two days. Um, because she's divorcing us. Yeah, basically that's what Which happened. is like daggers to the heart. So, um, so we're <laughs> like, we have to find childcare with no time to do it in Dallas. This is not like easy. And I mean, this is not easy in general times, right? <laughs> then you have COVID times when everybody needs childcare. So you're like, oh my gosh, we're not going to get childcare at all. And then I was like talking to my coach and we're like, you know what? All the, there's we the scarcity mentality. You know, this is something that um, I have an abundance mentality about most things, but I have a scarcity mentality when it comes to things like time, which I'm much better at. But I had a very scarce mindset about the nanny situation, and and we really wanted to get a nanny. He wanted to have a nanny, um, and I said there was no way we we're going to find one. Well, the au pair situation is very difficult because no au pairs were being let into the right. country, and um, and we could have also blamed each other for losing that au pair, but we really oh yeah, lose. I was blamed a lot, but it's okay. Were you, were you blamed? Oh, not not quite as much. Oh, either. okay. Well, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was not. He may he might have blamed himself, but I tried really hard to just let it go. So, um, anyway, I mean, it was for the better. See, so so Kate was more probably upset about losing the au pair than than I was. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had my coaching session and said, you know what, we have an opportunity, as opposed to like like mm-hmm. we're actually in a position now where we get to. We get to find somebody new who can be better. Um, but I'm like, but there's not going to be people. But you know what? There's, there's one thing there's, that's not limiting in our lives. And fortunately for us, and this is not for the vast majority of people in the world, but fortunately for us, money is not a limiting factor. And so we have the ability just to pay for what we want. If you pay enough, you're going to get what you want, but you have to be clear about what you want, no, what you need. It's an obscene amount. I mean, it's a reasonable amount for a nanny in Dallas. Right. But first of all, I had to get the mindset past. Like initially I was just like, we just have to find a nanny. We'll get whatever we'll take. But I, I went past this and I said, you know what? Let's line, let's list down every single thing we want in our nanny. Everything. A hundred. So hundred things. So we're not skimping, right? Because this is like the most valuable thing to our lives is having the childcare we want. There's nothing more valuable besides our health. And this is directly related to our health because of COVID, right? We, we want somebody who's going to be COVID safe. So we listed down everything. And we said, you know what? We're going to go and we're going to make this like a job application. And we're going to find somebody, even if, you know, find pay somebody to help us find the right person. And we listed all these things. We made a long application. It was a painful application for anybody who did it. And we posted it online and this very large Facebook group in our community for babysitters and nannies and whatnot and we got like seven applicants within like two days and our application was long it was a long application but that was the screening test to see if somebody was actually you know interested if you're not going to be interested enough to at least do an application then not going to bother so we went through the whole process and we found somebody who was like perfect um i didn't actually realize it right away but you did oh yeah i knew i mean Okay. I could weed out all the crazies. I weeded out like three crazies <laughs> immediately. I'm sure you did. Like when people say on the application they want to get a drug test, then we're not going to even, I don't even know why we even interviewed that person because we didn't even look at the 
question. Yeah, she said, didn't. well, we should just be able to trust each other. <laughs> but the only thing, basically, our nanny, like, the only thing was, like, I was, like, do you, are, are you, like, um, are, are you uh, Sound of Music? What's her name? Oh. I, she doesn't, she doesn't do, she doesn't, she's not a musician. She doesn't. Oh, yeah, she doesn't do music. What's, what's her name? Uh, Mar- Maria. Yeah, it's like Maria. It's like, are you like Mary Poppins? Uh, basically, we wanted Mary Poppins, right? <laughs> um, and if not Mary Poppins, then Maria from Sound of Music. But those people are actually fictitious people <laughs> in a movie, right? So. Our, our nanny does do Zumba. Our nanny. She dances. Oh, oh yes. No, no she, she'll do all these other things. But she, <laughs> I mean, she, she, she doesn't like write her own Do Re Mi songs with the guitar right, right, and have right, them marching right. up and down the stairs, which would be cool. Um, but it's okay. Uh, she does basically everything else and a lot more than we actually even asked for. Like she cooks. Like I, we did not, we did ask, not for ask for a cook. And um, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about like asking nannies to cook and then they complain about cooking. And I, I, I didn't want our nanny to be about cooking. We wanted to focus on the children um, and we can always figure the food part out. But then she like voluntarily said, I'm going to cook for you and I'm going to make these things said, okay, we're not going to say no to this. So we have been so fortunate. And she actually and got, now Shanola talks about how much she doesn't want to go to school likes. anymore. Oh, she doesn't want to go to school. But also she she always is saying, like, our nanny loves cooking. She just loves cooking. Yeah, she loves to cook. <laughs> yeah, she used to work in a restaurant and does nothing more. And she loves cooking. And uh, she got vaccinated today. Yes. So, yes. like, we are so unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's been great. Fortunate. And if, and if, like, at the beginning of my podcast, you can you can go back and listen to my podcast with Dr. Vicky. Vicky Chan Kim, my second episode is actually the day we lost our au pair. So um, that's funny how now we're on episode, what, 19? Yeah, it's going to be episode 19. This is my birthday episode, my birthday week episode. That's why Wait, I'm having Victor thank you for on. reminding me about your birthday again. Yeah. Sometimes is, I forget. <laughs> we already celebrated with um, some Baskin Robbins ice cream cake today. It's, what, two weeks early? We're going to get a Dairy Queen cake um, next week. Oh, I'm so glad you decided on these things because... Yes. We'll be celebrating all month with ice cream birthday cakes from different You know what? Once you just told me it was your birthday, then I realized I not only have to get you a birthday present, well, I have to get you a birthday present, but also, it's what you say online, but it's always a trap. Okay. But we also have, we're also, um, I have to buy you a bump present. Oh. I was like, shoot, I have to get all, and we just had Christmas. First bump present, a, gra- a, a baby grand piano. Baby, baby grand I don't piano. play piano really. We played it today though. But but I did play some scales today with our girls. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and and the second one was oh my bracelet. Yeah, bracelet. Mm. Was yeah. And it's usually easy in January. We we go for our annual uh, couples vacation. But this yes. year we're not. We always go with our for our annual couples vacation with my best friend. My best friend. Yeah, that's not friend. happening this year. That's right. So now I can't just like, you know, buy you a flight to well, Paris. Well, I've got our next vacation planned out. It's going to be three months after the birth of our third child. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's three months long. No, it's going to be in October. <laughs> it's going to be in October. We're going to go to Hawaii for a season. So. Okay. We planned out already. Okay. So. Um, Should we transition to money yeah. for a little bit? Okay. Okay, let's just transfer your money a little bit. Hmm. Um, well, let's, can we keep this brief? Why? Hmm. When and why did you become interested in finance, Victor? Well, I, I like efficiency. Okay. So that's why I'm like an engineer. Like I have a very logical mindset. And once I kind of really started to grasp the amount of money we were going to be making 
combined. Yeah, because you weren't like into finance when I met you. I was into business right, and business. I hustled because okay. I, I had my eBay store. And he was a photographer. He was a professional right. photographer. I, I did residency. all this photography in residency. And so it was nice. I made all this extra side income and it was a lot of really cool experiences, meeting people, going places, getting in places I, mean, I would have gone to. I you on a pencil, Victor. You were uh, a photographer. You own your own eBay business out of your, yeah. and you were a radiation oncology resident. Yeah. And like photography was my huge passion. I know. But I never made a business out of it. That's just, that's okay. So it's funny because I, as a violinist, my and whole violinist. life, I never made and money. And a violinist in the Detroit Medical Orchestra. So. so I never made money as a violinist though. And I made like all this money as a photographer, which was crazy. Cause I just picked it up during transitional yeah. year. Cause I was like, I have time to learn something new. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I hustled. Um, and I like, I mean, I, I cared about things financially, but I didn't prioritize it at all. Um, and, but it, at this point, I mean, at our incomes, managing your money is the most valuable part-time or part-time job or side gig you could, you could ever have. I mean, so, so, and then what about yeah. real estate? Well, um, my family's owned real estate, so yeah. I learned about it okay. growing up. And then how did you get me on board? Was that just something like, oh, it's going to be easy or hard? Well, you also have family members who do real estate. Okay. So yeah. you've already kind of been primed your whole life. Okay. Other, your uncles telling you, oh, we got to get real estate. Yeah, okay. I never did. And you never did. But, but so that by the time I came along, it was a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm like super flexible by nature. I'm good with the flow. That's what she says. Okay. And the then how did you ensure that we stay, how do you ensure we stay on the same financial page every day? Oh, various ways. Sometimes I, I force you to, to open up personal capital <laughs> and at least look at the top line. Say, Kate, open up personal capital. You also have me open up my um, TIA craft retirement accounts on occasion and, and move money around. I mean, you actually really good about uploading your pace, your pace. I'm really good about looking at my pace up every month, month and which, and many people don't do that. Almost nobody so does. I kind of see where every social I see like the met, all the taxes. <laughs> I see how much I make extra from call. And like, I actually need to pay myself allowance for the next three or four months or last three or four months. Yeah. You know what? We haven't given ourselves, we give ourselves allowance um, every month so that, yeah. And we decided that together. Like our first um, year out of training. And so that was... That, nice we each know. have our own, our buckets of discretionary cash, which is really nice because I don't like seeing all the things that you spend money on. And not that it matters financially. I just don't like seeing them. Uh, With like hair and yeah, workout I can't, clothes. I couldn't fathom how much you can spend at one visit yeah, to someone. Yeah, you know what? I haven't gone to... Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Um, so any, anything else? Any big take-home points you want to share with our audience today, Victor, about medicine, marriage, money, coaching, what you've learned? Well, I mean... Goals actually are so unbelievably important in all ways. These don't have to be goals for just like financial goals, but it's great to have at least a few financial goals um, that you actually write down, look at, say out loud, discuss with your partner um, every oh, for every year. And values, right? And then values. Writing these things down. I've never um, done that until last. Yes, month. we did this uh, with Date with Destiny last month. That was fantastic. Um, wait, wait before you, before you continue, Victor, we mm. have to go back to the flexibility part because oh. you have like a flexibility syndrome. Actually, no, I do hyper flexibility. Mobility, which yeah. is why I can't do a lot of poses in yoga yeah. anymore, which I'm totally okay with now. But anyway, me being go with the flow, flexible. I'm not just saying that. Like, oh. who else is going to let somebody move into their house with them and mm. live there? 
to and rent it out and, and you know and or, or move out of your house every other week. Oh yeah, you're very flexible. Yeah. 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 But we did we did Airbnb for four years out of our own home. Yeah. No. I are. learned how to value things a lot less than I had previous to in my life and I also learned how to let go like these are things you taught taught me I learned um well Victor wanted me to buy two of everything because we lived in two separate places in our home and in our apartment so we could Airbnb and he taught me well we're going to be making a lot more than your two of everything costs so it'll be worth it and I had never really thought about that before I'd always been super you know and the other thing you taught me now I'm getting the things you taught me is I'd always been super adverse to debt. Like I wanted to pay my medical school loans out so, so fast. And I've never had credit card debt ever, but medical school loan debt. And you taught me, okay, well, what if we just invest at a much higher rate than your interest rates and we'll just refinance every several years and get that down lower. So yeah, but I'm sorry. I hope, I'm glad you've learned a few things. I I just had to to clarify the flexibility part. Oh, okay, you are very flexible. Because we have done a ton of real estate that... Yeah, most people would never do. Yeah, we most hustled. Never do. We our our level of hustle coming out of training was and that I was trust maximal you, hustle. I trust you like two hundred percent. Oh, good because I trust you two hundred one percent. Okay, so continue on your closing oh, point. Yeah, um, having goals for yourself, for your family, for your for your relationship, uh, for your financial uh, everything, um, whatever they be, and then you know professional career but also with relationships it's really important to define those um and be able to literally like write them down say them out loud do it and keep it in your thought process because it's very easy to focus on goals that are just one directional Mm -hmm. um and actually the more you do that the more you actually can pull yourself away from the other things which is why you need to have those other ones so um one of the things we learned with date with destiny was we all have these, you know, three circles. We have, you have, uh, your self. self, you have your relationships and then you have your job or your career or whatever it might be. Life mission. Whatever it might be. And so you have those three things. And if you think of those three different circles, how differently are they weighted in size? You know, it's very easy to become more and more and more career focused. And in doing that, you, decrease and decrease decrease the other circles or you just those circles just stay small and they never get bigger and if you actually step back and think about what are the most valuable things in your lives okay they're your relationships and your health right if you have those two things everything else can work out right you can Mm -hmm. always make money you can always find a job you can always find a way to keep a roof over your head feed yourself but if you don't have health if you don't have a relationship it will tear all the rest of it apart. And what are you focusing on in each of those spheres, self, relationship, career, right? Because he talked about the six human needs too, certainty, uncertainty, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. And if you're focusing only on certainty and significance, well, then how are you going to grow and contribute? Yeah. I mean, certainty and significance, those are external things. If you only focus on the things that you're in control of, growth, and feeling love and connection right things that are 100% in your control you do those things and other things will follow suit if they're meant to follow suit but you can't control those so um think about all of those things and really what things do you value like do I want to work 
twice as much and make twice as much. Um, one, I mean, if I work twice as much, that would be, I mean, I, and people do that. Like there's surgeons out there working. Well, we wouldn't twice see you. But I would never see you or the kids. And there would be. Never. That would be so not valuable for me. Um, that would be a, not only a not enjoyable life, but um, that would certainly hurt our marriage and then also the relationship with the kids. And the kids and our relationship are more important to me than any job ever will be. So, um, you know, you have to literally make those decisions and like make those decisions like out loud. Like I am choosing not to do this because I want to do something else. And then you don't actually feel guilty about it. You say, I am choosing something else. You're choosing, I'm choosing my marriage. I'm choosing my kids. And then you can feel excited about that decision that you made instead of feeling bad about the decision that you said no to. You should be able to empower yourself every single time you make a choice and make it positive for you. Thank you for coming on my show, Victor. Well, thank you for, again, inviting me into your studio. I love it. Empower yourself every time you make a choice. That's perfect. Such a great show with Dr. Victor Mangona. Before we end, let's give you the link for our sponsor again. If you need help reviewing your employment contract before you sign, reach out to a company with great online reviews and reputation for doing that and more. Find Resolve at www.drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash resolve to get the review process started today. Thanks for coming on my show, Victor. Where can people find you? The best place to find me is on uh, on Facebook in my Facebook group called the 39.6 Community. That's 39.6 with a decimal point. And uh, that's where I answer all my questions from listeners. And that's where I do my live broadcasts. I do Facebook lives from that group. And they're also syndicated live to uh, YouTube. And the channel there is 39.6, which is www.youtube.com slash 39point6. Okay, perfect. And I don't think we're going to do any big take-home points this time because... We're already home. Yeah, we're already home. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. You guys mean the world to us. Without you, we'd just be talking amongst ourselves, which is what we do every day. Most days. Most days. So, thank you so much. We really appreciate all of your subscribes, your reviews, and your shares, especially... And Penelope saying goodbye. That was Penelope saying goodbye. Our poodle penalty on all your shares with your family and friends. And you know where to find me. You know where to find Victor. Again, you can sign up for a coaching session if you'd like at, at medicinemarriageandmoney.com. And you can always email me at Kate Mangona at medicinemarriageandmoney.com. Go spread positivity and happiness and love into this world. And much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.